Why, hello, and welcome to Season 28, Episode 9 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. And I'm Stork. It's and the OGs, you two old men. Yeah. Stadler and Waldorf. Our last episode, I kept calling this Season 27. <laughs> so people are going to go, why would you do you that? guys missed an episode. So I should... <laughs> it's, I like should. Episode, it's like Season 13. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you do, read the, the in this episode stuff while I tweet out? Sure, let me call that up there. Okay, yeah. Let's see here. In this episode, Davi writes about PC leadership and RPGing with wallflowers. Ben from Texas writes in about GM fallback tropes. And Erica Odd sends us a horror story. Really a GM confession, I think. But first... Yeah, go, man, go. (laughs) What? Well, I don't have it memorized. I don't think you have it memorized. You have a spiel. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. And we can use emails. Uh, And we also stream live on Fridays at 7 p.m., 6.53 p.m. Pacific time at happyjacks.org slash live. That's happyjacks.org slash live. Should I read the first one? I'll read the first one. We're not live. Uh, PC leadership and RPing with wallflowers from is it a Davi? Because I, I that's on the other page. Yep, Davi. 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 Okay, here we go. So in group dynamics, I tend to take charge if others do not. I think it's a side effect of leadership training, drive, and an annoyance with waste. I understand that. Uh, in a game I played in, I noticed one of the newer players was not RP contributing. As such, I deliberately made a PC who was not leader material. Alas, I still wound up leading the group more often than not. Today, yeah, don't, let, don't let leadership material, like, you know... T- <laughs> that doesn't stop tabby. you from taking charge. Yeah, Tappy used to be like, it's a terrible plan, and then we'd just go right... But, we'd but it's a plan. Anyway. <laughs> he had secret plan. Uh, it's just... Uh, more often than not. Today, I specifically refused to lead. I kept pushing the newer player to make decisions and told the DM in private channels what I was doing. Sadly, the session at that point was 90% role-playing, and without my poking them with a stick, the entire game crawled to a halt for now. Did I do the quote-unquote right thing? I wanted to give one or two of the players a chance to grow and shine as our peers, but it seemed not to work. I mean, I know sometimes growth for people is hard, and there are missteps, but I want to not... I think it's supposed to be drown. Drown them out, and keep and keep them from having chances, and that's what I feel has been happening. The DM, by the way, agrees with me, but it's two of us and four other players who are invested in the game. Sincerely, Davi. P.S. Drink the appropriate beverage of choice. Heck, drink an inappropriate beverage... That's how the evening is going. <laughs> uh, sorry to hear about your evening, even though that was probably weeks or months ago. Yeah. i got to give Davi um, huge props for being self-aware enough to know that he can dominate a role-playing session. 
right? Because there's a lot of people out there, myself included, who can dominate and sometimes not necessarily know it. Right. And um, and which leads me to my other thing, which is sometimes there are people that are, are they role play differently. They're not they're not loud. They're like maybe shy louds, you know. And it, it they just have sort of a different energy than you do. And they might actually still be having fun in the game. They just don't role play as loudly as you do, right? Um, or they're just not playing a character that, you know, is. And some people just aren't that comfortable with that much spotlight on them, because when you do step up and take chances as a role player, or you do step up to lead, you you're. It's like making decisions at work, you know. All of a sudden, you're put in charge of a project, and you, you know, the decisions are on you, and it can be kind of intimidating. So sometimes people just like, I spend all day making decisions. I really don't want to do that here, and I don't want the spotlight on me. I just want to kick back and have some fun. So perhaps these people are just role playing and having a good time, but they don't necessarily want to be the, that that white hot spotlight. And that said, I really give you props for knowing or at least recognizing the fact that they aren't as loud and as dynamic as you are and and giving them space to try to, um, you know, fix that. My advice is to probably just sit down and talk to everybody. It's like, listen, I know I can dominate a table. Do you guys want me to just back off a little bit? Do you guys have a good time? Is everything okay? You know, sort of gauge the temperature. The... You know, you you bring up a point I hadn't thought of. It's like, remember? Do you remember the, when I was complaining about at cons, Friday night games? The the players are like n- not into like mysteries and subtlety. Do you remember mm-hmm. me complaining about that? Mm-hmm. And I and so I decided I'm going to run a freaking dungeon crawl. No subtlety. You right. and I think I did it in Savage Worlds. And you d- just go in and kill shit and take its stuff. That's all. That's all it is. <laughs> and that and, then, and you know there was like a little meta story to it, a little bit, but not much. But it was really just about going in and you know going in and hacking side. And everyone had had fun. <laughs> it was like sometimes that's what people want. Um, I, I think get getting players who are. I think you got to approach this from one of two ways. First off, you need to know why they're quiet. Are they quiet because they're new? Because that's different than someone who's quiet because they're shy. Because if someone is quiet because they don't know how the game works yet, and they're trying to see how it works, kind of get a feel for things before they step in, that you're, you would be doing exactly the right thing. But if it, if people if someone wants if someone for whatever reason, whether it's shyness or or anxiety or whatever, wants to be more passive. Uh, I don't know if that's ever going to really work. I think right. what you're going to end up having is what happened, which is this grind to a halt. Because I've had tables where I've had no instigators at the table, and let me tell you, that is for a GM. That is some tough shit. Especially the way you GM, which is you throw out, you chum the waters and wait for somebody to take a right, bite. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> and the, the, nobody's biting. The fish aren't biting. What do you do? <laughs> it's like when I took Zachary out fishing, and it's like, because, you know, you want to go early, right? Because mm-hmm. you want to get there, like, right around dawn. 
Right, you know fish are more active in the mornings anyway. That's when the, yeah, because they're looking for food because they just woke yeah. up and they're looking for food. Well, I, I mistimed it because of the drive, and Zachary and I ended up getting out there an hour and a half before dawn. Guess what you're not going to catch any of because they're all fucking asleep or whatever. <laughs> whatever I don't know if, how fish sleep or what they do, but they certainly weren't going after any bait. I'll tell you that. But it's, it's but I, I think you're yeah you're in a you're in a if you're in a position where you've got people who are who are reasons other than the fact that they're they're new to the game are reluctant to take charge or or take center stage. I, that's a tough deal. I mean, I think the way to do that is to ra- rather than put them in charge, maybe partner up with them. I think that probably would create a safer space for them to come in and say, "Oh, I'm good." Where it's like a buddy movie, yeah, right. I think if, like, if if your character, if I mean, if you're a take charge player, first off, embrace that because when you're at a table where everyone else isn't that kind of a player, the GM loves you. I can guarantee it. <laughs> so. I would suggest, like, if, like, you know, we, you need to go talk to, to some NPC or something, grab one of the NPCs and say, hey, come with me. I want you to back me up. You know what I mean? And then, and I would, rather than, because it sounds like you don't want to lead from the front because you tend to, like, ru- run roughshod over people, but you don't want to push them from the back either. No. You want to kind of grab them by the arm and take them by the side i <laughs> yeah it, i don't know what the phrase would be well you just want to make it more collaborative yeah right so you know stop and ask for their opinions on occasion or literally turn to them and say well what do you think what do you what do you want to do what should we do and you go, well i don't care but at least you're trying to involve them up like he's absolutely right you're trying to force somebody who doesn't want the spotlight on them into the spotlight is the worst thing you can do and sometimes people just you know want to warm up a little to this to this thing sure because again when you're role playing it's a lot like acting it can be kind of um scary yeah you know you're you're not necessarily you know investing yourself but you are you know you you can feel very vulnerable you know especially when you're making a decision that could affect the lives of some of the characters of the party you don't want to screw it up so sometimes people are, are hesitant to take charge because if they go sideways, you know, the rest of the players are pissed at them, you know? Right. I know what happens all the time on video games. <clears throat> you get total white bombs. Everybody's like, why did you run into that room? You know, there's the whole, you know, Leroy Jenkins moment where he wipes out the entire party because, you know, he just jumped in when nobody was ready. And so sometimes people are a little afraid to maybe take, you know, the absolute, we're doing this and let's go. Come on, team. Who's with me? Right. Um. And, and then again, also just that spotlight, you know, not everybody wants to be the spotlight. You might want to be on stage, but you don't necessarily want to be singing a solo or you don't want to be the lead. You're, you're happy just being in the background. Still in the back playing bass. Yeah. That's, that, and that's perfectly viable. <laughs> so, you know, I, again, I was going to bring up that some people just have a different energy. We have, I've been in these groups with people that are, are self-confessed introverts. Mm-hmm. And their energy is different than mine, and I've come to conclude that I'm actually an introvert as well. But yeah, so I I, I, I took a test. I am they, 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 what's that? That Myers Briggs, which is kind mm-hmm. of bullshit, I think. But it, every time I've taken that test, regardless of what kind of mood I'm in, it always makes me an I. Okay, introvert every time. And I know. 
there's these there's these weird classifications of introverts. There's um the, the one that always sticks to my mind is the the shy loud or the loud shy. <laughs> That's probably what we are. Which is somebody who's like really an introvert, but they're kind of still very bombastic and dynamic about it. You know, and there's don't fucking pay attention to me. <laughs> right. There's the shy exhibitionist. You know, somebody who's who's inwardly just really shy, but still likes to you know, show show their, show their penis. Weird. Man. It's just these weird little classifications. So you, you might end up with these sort of introverts that are sort of shy, but they're having a great time and they're role playing as much as they want to. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but I still, again, I'm giving you high, high marks for realizing that you are like, you know. You know you might have a problem, and so you're being very careful about it. Yeah, because uh, that's not the norm. A lot of people just don't know what they're doing, and some you know, there's people who are like, I don't want to play with them anymore. They just, they, yeah, they're they're too loud. Right now, now, maybe there's a couple ways I think you could approach this if you want a, a, a different sort of dynamic uh, that might actually help s- uh, some players come out of their shell a little bit. Because he made a character who is not leadership material, so one of the other players would step up and, and be the leader, and no one did. What if you t- took this, for, like, the relationship between the lieutenant and the, the platoon sergeant? Where it's like, okay, you, you, the, you're going you're gonna to make the shy player the lieutenant. He's the man who, one who's making the decisions. So what do you think we ought to do? Do you think we ought to uh, go over yeah. there and try to talk to the guy, or do you think we ought to exactly. uh, just go in and just beat the shit out of him? I think we got to beat the shit out of him. Okay. All right, everybody. Boss says we're gonna go beat the shit out of him. Let's go. You know what I mean? Right. You, you become <laughs> then, yeah. You become you become the they're the idea man, and you're right. like the muscle. <laughs> exactly. You're the you're the loud mouth for for their yeah. good ideas, or however you want to handle it. Or you could yeah. invert that. It could be the other way around. You could make them. The platoon sergeant and have the and and say, hey, you want to go tell so and so to you know? I mean, you're kind of telling them what to do, but you're still getting them to you know, interact, maybe. So I think that, that that and there's a couple different ways you can approach that sort of thing. That's more of like a team thing and more of a cooperative thing. Than I'm just going to hang back and let you guys decide what you're going to do. Because I've seen there's, that not work more than one occasion. Right. If somebody doesn't want to lead, they're not going to lead. They're just going to avoid it and avoid it and avoid it. You know, we and, had and for a, whatever reasons. You may remember a specific stage show where someone decided they weren't going to talk during the show because someone else had told them that they had too many lines. <laughs> We've had that happen on stage. <laughs> get pouty away. and we weren't ready for it. <laughs> and there's, there's, yeah, they could, they, it didn't last. Um, <laughs> there, there is one other option, which is the, the GM could. Uh, focus more on other players' backstories, which mm-hmm. would give them much more investment in making decisions about that story. So uh, that's something else that you maybe just, you could talk with the GM about, which is like you know, hey, can we come up with things that they are you know are the center of, and then they can handle it however they want. You know, they can blow it off, or they can you know, but at least then it's the, they're got their story that they have investment in that they can solve themselves, and that might help a bit as well too. That's true. But again, I'm still not sure if there's that much of a problem. Yeah, I mean, so, the, I, it, other than the fact that nobody wants to do anything, it, 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 talk to see what where their comfort level is, and say, so uh, what do you think about the game? And, and they might be like, no, I think the game's great. I'm having a blast. You know, you never, and you're like. Okay. Okay. Because there are people who are, you know, maybe slightly more of the spectator sort, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Every exhibitionist needs a voyeur. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
All right. Uh, so thank you, Dovey, for the email. Uh, next one, GM fallback tropes from Ben and Tejas. All right. Ben and Tejas, yes. Dearest the douchebags, in a recent email, you asked what tropes we often find ourselves falling back on as games as game masters. Stork, that's me, mentioned that his fallback trope is to have party fighting or prevent a summoning ritual. That's not too surprising, of course. Why is it not surprising? Do I seem like the kind of person that like likes summonings and rituals? Yes. Uh, one common GM tip for making a combat more interesting is to give the players a ticking clock. Instead of bashing the big, bad, evil guy until they run out of hit points, that might mean a bomb is about to go off or the planet-destroying space station is about to complete its firing sequence or an elder god is being invited into the faculty grounds at Miskatonic University. <laughs> being invited? <laughs> invited into the faculty lounge. Yeah. Okay. I think we've all been here many times and rarely regretted it. One of the ways I've tried to mix things up is to avoid to avoid a result which, insert plot device, is stopped and then nothing happens. In one of my D&D games, players fought some necromancers to prevent a friendly NPC from being sacrificed so that their soul could be used to animate a war goal. The ritual was interrupted by the necrom- and the necromancers were killed, but the NPC still found their soul trapped in cold metal body, albeit with their free will intact. Later in the campaign finale, the big boss necromancer was summoning death herself so he could kill death and take her place. The ritual succeeded, but not before the heroes bloodied the big boss necromancer enough that he was dragged down into the abyss alongside death. That left the party with the question of who would fill the vacuum and become death, or whether they would face a new world without her. Email Act 2. My GM trope is making darkness come alive as a physical threat. I attack the darkness. Right? Isn't that the game? <laughs> right. Uh, heroes find themselves surrounded by darkness? Guess what? Being afraid of the dark is eminently justified. In my current Monster of the Week campaign, the players found their way blocked by an impassable darkness when they tried to rescue an ally from a Mind Flayer's dungeon. It turns out that an outsider demon was trapped in the same dungeon. The demon took the form of a small child with long hair that fell into an inky blackness, spreading into all the rooms and corridors of the dungeon. The darkness was impassable until the demon child could be exercised or killed. Also, earlier in the campaign, while they were sneaking through the steam tunnels of the university, I decided that they were being stalked by a groove. You know, to keep it tense. Like one does. <laughs> Unnecessary explanation. The crew is best known from the video game Zork, text adventure from 1977. If the player strayed too far into the dark area, they would receive a warning. It's pitch black. You are likely to be eaten by, by a Gru. Yours indigenous. <laughs> ben from Texas. P.S. Take a drink. P.P.S. No, an alcoholic beverage. FFS? I don't know. Unless for fuck's sake. Host. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, unless the particular host is disinclined uh, PPPS OFC of fucking course I put mind flares <laughs> in my monster of the week campaign and no I'm not ashamed of myself consider me to be shameless if it pleases you so yeah it's just sort of a summary of tropes and things to do with it right I kind of like uh, I kind of like the I don't know. I kind of like the darkness thing. I've never done anything at all like that. I've never had darkness or illusions or, you know, shifting corridors or anything like that. It's kind of a... I could see how that could sort of, like, at least, I don't know, prolong the game a bit if you needed to. Wasn't there a D&D class in 4th edition that could, that could move between 
shadows. Mm, sword mage? Didn't they kind of have a weird uh, teleport thing? It was almost a teleport thing, but it had to be from a shadow to shadow. I, God, I, I can't remember. Was. I think there was Shadow Knight or something. There had so many classes and so many little books that I, and I never played them all. Oh, there's no way. Yeah, well, there's three player so handles. Shadow Dancer, according there to Eric Odd. It's been so long since I looked through all of that stuff. Um, yeah. All right. Do you have any thoughts on? Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? No. Ever, I, go ahead. What? I was just going to say I don't remember what you uh, remember your your trope that you fall back on as being. I don't know. I don't know if I have one. My, my trope to fall back on is: Are the players doing? Come, did the players come up with something more interesting than what I came up with? <laughs> more, more often than not, you know, it, the, it's interesting because uh, we're we're approaching the end of the Call of Cthulhu game, and uh, I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying. I think because we had a in, in our last session. Um. I kind of came up with a cliffhanger where Kimmy's character gets confronted by the big bad evil person uh, who can possess other people. And it's someone, it's it's not the person that that's actually they're, they're fighting against. It's just some, you know, bystander who gets possessed. And, and that was going to be the cliffhanger. But then... Um... C.A. Dave rolled a 100 on his sanity check. Whoa! Which is a critical failure. Yeah! And so, and I'm like, and so I spent a week and a week, week and a half trying to figure out, is there some way I can put these two things together? And I think I figured out how to do it. And Dave, Dave, I'm sure, would be more than happy to play a possessed person without the other players. (laughs) (laughs) But but I the, it, and it and it w- may pretty much conclude the game. The next session might end up being the last session because of the way those 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 things are going to fit together. Everybody knew that he ran, rolled a hundred on his sanity roll, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Everyone yeah, knows yeah. he rolled a hundred. But the, normally, what would happen in a situation like that is he, he'd say, "Oh, excuse me, the sandwich I ate just isn't disagreeing with me," and they'd go outside and then they go batshit crazy, screaming into the night. And maybe wake up having murdered someone or something. Because basically I get to take control of their character. And they just wake up later. So. But I yeah. think. The, the But I've been trying to. Because I've been trying to. Um, have the ending. Because the game did not go the direction I was thinking it was going to go for several different reasons. Um, which is fine. And we ended up in San Francisco, which is not ever where I intended for the game to go. <laughs> but I started looking around. It's like, well, what was around in the 1920s around San Francisco? And I'm like, oh. All kinds of great stuff. Holy shit. No, the, the great, because I love conspiracy theory stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, what's, it, what's it called? Bohemian Grove. Hello. It was very popular back then. You know what Bohemian Grove is? I'm not sure I do. Oh, fuck. Dude, you should read about Bohemian Grove. Right. It's a crazy thing. It used to be like a, a, a like a adult summer camp. I was going to say, it sounds like a nudist colony. It's not. Well, there might be a lot of <laughs> nude people there. There probably is some nudity there. And probably, there. yeah, there probably is some. But it started out as, as 
as, as a, a thing for like sort of artsy people and, and stuff like that. And, and they'd all kind of go to this place and stay for a week or something like that. And it was kind of like a retreat for, and it, 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 it I guess it started mostly as sort of creative types. And then it started turning in, into creative types and influential types. Yeah, it still sounds like a nudist colony. And then it, and that, and now it's like tons of politicians go to this thing. And like heads of of mega corporations and all kinds of shit, and they have these rituals they do. They have like the giant owl and the burning the the burning of the effigy. And You're saying that they have the giant owl, like like I know what the giant but owl it, is. It, like, no, they've got all this. Skull and they've bones? got. I don't know this stuff. It's not a skull. It's not skull <laughs> and bones. It's like this. Oh, it's it's like this sort of like quasi faux pagan ritual they do. Like the the the. What do they call it? The burning of care or the destruction of care or something like that. It's very strange. It sounds like Bohemian Grove. Freemasons do. It's a real thing. Bohemian Grove. That James V is asking. Bohemian Grove is a, a real place, and um, people have gone there. And 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 there is. There's a big giant owl statue there. <laughs> I've seen pictures of it. So I, I think I may I may intersect that into it since it happened to be in San Francisco. And that's one of those places where it's like, okay, that's where the 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 Bavarian Illuminati meet. It have to be go. right, right? <laughs> Someone's gonna someone someone who who rules everything has to be there. Bavaria so. is close to Bohemia, isn't it? Or isn't it like original Bohemians was that whole area? So yeah, Bohemia. No, well, isn't Bohemia Bohemia South? Isn't it? Isn't that more sort of like Central it's South Europe? Close. Anyway, the original Bohemian, I, I thought, was like sort of a... Symbol of the Bilderberg group, yes! <laughs> or the Rotary Club. Now you're talking my language. <laughs> my father was a member of the Rotary Club, and it, as near as I could tell, it was just a... a, a Drinking club. Of, well, it was just a bunch of, like, you know, CEOs. We get together and drink and tell horror stories or stuff. I, didn't, I never figured it out, but right. it's like he, he joined it to make connections. Well, my dad was a mason. Right, and that's... And I guess the same, but I mean, I don't know. Well, it's very, it's all these weird little clubs you join if you're, you know. I know. I, I thought about joining. I thought about joining the 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 what is it called? The Eagles? Because there's a airy up here. Yeah, there <laughs> that, is. They call it. They call it yeah. an airy. We actually I shot there once. It's really weird. I went. Th- I went to. Uh, I went to a, a a breakfast. They had some sort of fundraiser breakfast there once. So I went to that. It's nice. It's a nice place. Be great sure. for like a little miniature game convention. Yeah, they, they rent those halls out. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, but you know, I guess, I guess, conspiracy stuff it, very often it, it is my fallback trope because I love that stuff so much. I, I find it all very interesting. That's one of my big fallbacks. I think uh, I know that. Yeah, you're a big fan. Just, just in the. Uh the observant way of, of conspiracy theories like wow this is some nutty stuff how mm-hmm. cool is that i love that stuff i know all right it's the journalist in you coming out i just just i want to analyze this and study it and figure out where it came from and do, do a report and essay on it just because it's fascinating so. the club motto this is Bohem- bohemian grove uh president hoover was inducted into the old guard in uh march 1953 and he had joined uh exactly 40 years previous so the club motto is "Weaving spiders come not here," which implies the outside concerns and business deals networking are to be left outside. 
I'm sure that's what happens. Sure. <laughs> you you can't take an oligarch seriously when you can see his penis. <laughs> <laughs> that should be their motto, right? <laughs> All right. Horror story from Erica Odd. Dear Happy Jackers. Now I did not read this. Oh, okay. <laughs> you want me to read it? No, I, I'm going to read it. But I did not pre-read this because I just happened to like notice at the end. It's like pause here and let me and, and tell me what you think I should have done. And then the PS has what she actually how it was actually resolved. I'm sure Erica's in the in the game too. So we're gonna read this, Erica. Right? All right, in chat. We're gonna read this. I have imprison. Uh, dear happy jackers, jillers, jukers, junkers, and jerkers. Oh my! I have improvised myself into a corner. We like to say you yes-handed yourself into a corner. Right. Long story short, no, that, that, that is that is not accurate because it's a two-page email. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Long story short, my players disrupted a gun-running operation being carried out by an organized crime gang. I want this plot to be more in the background for now. But the group is focusing on it, and while I want to give them results and keep the campaign satisfying, I'm really not ready to take this plot to its conclusion yet. Probably because you have other ideas for it. Uh, All of this has been made up as I go, so I don't really have a plan anyway. Oh, I was wrong. Uh, Their next step is is to go to a bar where known associates of this gang were supposed to meet for a payoff. One member is a changeling, and will be taking on the guise of one of the associates. I want to have the crime ring be aware of their involvement because of actions they took in the first part of the adventure and just not show up for the for the playoff. Payoff? Uh, thus creating an, a dead end for now. Right. It's supposed to be payoff, yeah. Right. Uh, that way I can move on to the new plot until I'm ready to follow up. I worry that this will be unsatisfactory for my players. It started out with me running an on-the-fly Savage Worlds conversion of the Sinister Secret of Salt Marsh, an old first edition AD&D adventure. I believe we would have called those modules. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) It's basically a Scooby-Doo plot. Some smugglers are using an abandoned mansion as a base of operations, making it appear to be haunted to keep people away. That is totally a Scooby-Doo plot. It's also the plot of one of the Dr. James Bond and Dr. No, I think, where he's got the sea monster on the island and they're keeping a crab key. You've it's also keep everybody away from it's, crab key. it's also the Shrieking Shack from Harry Potter. Mm. Uh, well, not for you know smuggling. Uh, the group com- uh, completely. I'd always thought that 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 um, Sirius Black was a meth head, though. Uh, the sorry. Right? <laughs> The group uh, completed the adventure, but here's where it went into improv territory. In the module, the PCs go out to the ship the smugglers are using and take it in a final battle. They find out what's going on, disrupt the smuggling operation, and save the day. Only my group didn't go out to the ship. They waited until the other group came to pick up the shipment that wasn't there, of course, since the smugglers in the ship sailed off when things didn't go as they had expected. Right. Okay. Right. I improvised that the smugglers were running guns to the city-state, in into the city-state, into a poor section of town called the Maze. Uh, they would drop the guns off 
at a bar, and someone else would later come to pick them up. A dead drop. Mm-hmm. Uh, the group went, to, which is dangerous to do with weapons. Uh, the group went to the bar and found out that the owner, a minotaur, was, wasn't willingly working with the smugglers. They had his daughter. He knew nothing other than he was to store the shipment, quote-unquote, in his shed until the group in town came to get them. That's a wimpy minotaur. You think he'd stick him with his horns. Uh, while, the group, <laughs> while the group were at the bar, it was firebombed. I'm running Savage Worlds, so there was a big dramatic task as they tried desperately to prevent something akin to the Great Fire of London. They succeeded and captured the arsonists. The arsonists were paid by anonymous strangers, half now, half upon completion of the task. That's how the group found out about the payoff going down at the other bar I mentioned above. They did manage to rescue the Minotaur's daughter, who was being held by the arsonists. The smuggling ring is being run by a large organized crime syndicate. The group let the original smuggler boat go, so that's how the crime syndicate knew that the jig was up and sent arsonists to wipe the slate. Okay. That's that's good. They would also likely know that the burning of the bar didn't work out, so I doubt they would still just send their guys in to pay off the failed arsonists. Since I wrote myself into wrote myself into the big plot i'd like to do it better justice than just having them beat up some thugs in a bar and beating the equivalent of al capone on their first mission i want more time to develop the plot i want i want more time to develop the plot basically another idea i had was having the police through bureaucratic incompetence charge in and bust the bar where the payoff was to happen scaring off the crooks and botching the character's investigation this is a fantasy steampunk setting, so brutal and overeager cops are the norm. Because of the firebombing, the police came uh, became aware of the smuggling plot, and the players told them what little they already kn- knew anyway. The arsonists were taking were taken into custody, so no one could assume that they spilled the beans to the cops in the hopes of leniency. It may be a lack of confidence in my ability to have a compelling story by just winging it. I feel I've dug myself into a hole by my improvisation and won't be able to end the story interestingly. I feel I need to develop the idea more and come back to it. So that's where I'm at now. Suggestions. Talk things over. Then move to the PS and and talk about how how I handled it when the game came around again. Okay, I have a couple questions and they smuggled people, Stu. So what? Is she in the chat right now? Uh, she is. Uh, um, uh, someone else had something. Well, I'm sitting okay. here just thinking, while, while you're looking that up, I'm Go sitting ahead. here thinking, like, I don't think you wrote yourself into a, a problem at all. I think it's a very interesting situation you have here. Um, for for ideas, I would watch some shows, movies, if you really feel like you're stuck, like something like Peaky Blinders, which is an Irish mob group, and, uh, and or um, what's the, the Departed? Uh, the, with uh, Matt Damon and uh, Jack Nicholson and all, and Marky and Mark again, what? And Marky Mark, and Marky Mark, and it deals with <laughs> it deals with a lot of this stuff going on. Um, it, it, they have rival gangs that come in. 
they've got the moles in in the factions they've got so there's it seems to me like you've set up some wonderful ideas that could you could have rival factions uh, and even splintering of the of the same mafia as a boss and, and taking sides that your players have stumbled into and it could be a lot of fun but, but she doesn't she doesn't want them to she doesn't want to resolve this she wants it to remain i think if it would make sense because it's a, a little convoluted you have to kind of and I'm, I'm, I'm not reading your ps i i would have like the, the arsonists now did they did the did the party defeat the arsonists yes or they they were able to put the fire out, but I don't, I don't know if they defeated the if they I caught the arsonists. They Did they defeated the arsonists and got the Minotaur's daughter back? Oh, they well they they were being held. The arsonists. And I'm a stranger to half. I'm like, please, and that's how the group found out that the payoff was going on. Oh, they turned the, they turned the arsonists over to the cops. Oh, even better, even better. While they're in the the police custody, they find them tortured and murdered. For not doing the, their their arsonist job right, so they end, so they the, the the second half of the pay they were going to get for doing the job right, they got a different kind of payment. So that way, that, that way you're making the whoever was on that boat, you're making them even more dangerous. Do you see what I'm saying? Because I'm assuming it was the guys on the boat that paid the arsonists. It's a little, con- yeah. It's a, it's a little convoluted as to who the arsonists are working for. Uh, the way I saw it, it seemed to be that that the original crime lords sent the arsonists to just like, uh oh, we the, the jig is up, you know, burn the place down and and hide right. all the evidence. Right. Yeah. That's what yeah, they, they were doing. What a party would do. <laughs> 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 Which I, I love. It makes it perfect sense. If the party's going to do it, it oh, you can get rid of all the evidence by lighting a fire. That's what everyone thinks. It ultimately in any role playing game when you've when the party's committed a crime and they're afraid they're going to get caught, they want to start a fire, right? It's inevitable. Sometimes, sometimes they just do it just to flush somebody out. Like you know, you start a fire in that building, it's going to burn the city down. Oh, oh. So, so Erica, Erica says that the arsonists were free agents. There's no connection to trace back to the mob, but they were paid by the mob. Correct. Right. That's my understanding. Yes. Is that because because whoever was on that boat is ticked off because they didn't drop the shipment. They didn't ha- get the chance to drop the shipment they were meaning to drop. Right. They didn't get their money. Right. So it seems it, my, my thought would be that, but, but, well, yeah, they won't know the trace, but if you're trying to, if you're trying to keep this unresolved, not having a direct connection between the arsonists and the mob is fine. But if they find the people, the arsonists in the jail or whatever, that have all like you know had their fingers cut off or have been killed in some horrible slow way, as a you know as a um, a message, that's going to leave. That's going to put the players. It's going to give them a conundrum because they're going to say, "Was it the police we turned them over to, or is there someone else involved? Are the police?" Um, uh, crooked? Are they uh, involved somehow in this whole situation? You, see, you know what I'm saying? And it may be so some so some seeds of doubt, right? That's what I'm thinking, at least. That's my thought on it. There's a there's a lot of other threads that you could pull too. I mean, the, these weapons are going somewhere, right? 
you know, so the people that were supposed to get the weapons could also be disgruntled and come and try to find out what happened to the weapons. Also, the people that sold, that are selling them, where are the weapons coming from? You know, they didn't get paid. Now they're, you know, off way offshore in a boat with a bunch of weapons going, well, now what do we do? What happened? Is the jig up? Are we, you know? Right. So th- there's some other factions. I think, I think you're right. And I, I think that maybe that's why she doesn't want the, this resolved as quickly. Because right. that's because it's going to. Uh, James V says, or the police station is set on fire and the arsonists disappear. <laughs> That's <laughs> the o- uh, She said, the overall plot is to foment an uprising, uh, seed the maze with weapons. Okay. All right. Should I read the PS now? Sure. Okay. Well, I went to I went with the police interference plot and my players caught on, uh, caught on in character that they'd hit a dead end and possibly hinting at some kind of cover-up once they expressed this in character to each other i paused the game and had the adult conversation with them and told them what i'd been struggling with they actually liked the idea of such a complex plot running into a dead end and appreciated that so i promised to follow up with it the characters were frustrated but the players weren't so yay See, Erica, you were sitting here worried about it for no reason. It sounds like everybody was having a great time. And sometimes that happens with, you know, investigations. They just, you you run out of leads. Right. You go hunting for that bear, and you shoot the bear, and it really wasn't That's, any lead. Well, see that? I mean, it, there were no Nazis behind it. It was just a bear. I've been, I've been watching a lot of police procedurals, and, they, and, and it's very common that they will run into a dead end until yep. the next body shows up. Right. Right, and that, and that not only not not only does you get the the sort of the visceral thing about okay you've hit a dead end, and now the bad guy is killed again, right? To so get that visceral, we could have stopped him and we didn't. We you know and that that whole the whole guilt thing, but that also on the other side gives you an opportunity to go and see if there's more evidence that might point you in the right direction at that point. Is I that, think I think you're doing okay, Eric. I really do. Stu, Stu just hit it right there with that whole, uh, you know. It, you think it's something like Dexter, where you know, all the over the course of all the shows, all the clues eventually added up to the fact that people figured out who was committing them. But most of the you know crimes that he committed were went unsolved, and they were all dead ends up to a point, you know. But every little bit, every time, it slipped through. So I think it's it's part of that type of investigative. You know, game that you're playing. Yeah, having dead ends happens, and and they do, and and I mean that is a super common trope in in police procedurals. Yep, I've been watching the 85 episode, uh, seasons of N- NCIS, and that happens a yeah. lot, yeah. a lot. And then what was the other one? Uh, Criminal Minds. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of them. But I was watching. I was on a tear on watching all that stuff. At some yeah, point. All of that stuff. There's um yeah it's a it's amazing to me that that the writers of those shows can keep it as fresh as they do. God, especially because like, uh, NCIS has been on like for like eighteen years. Something like that, yeah. It's and insane. I don't, I don't even know how they keep it so fresh. I mean, I can barely come up with one idea and see it through to a game, let alone every week for eighteen years. <laughs> right, and it's a. I didn't realize it's a spinoff. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. Jag? Of Jag, yeah. Uh-huh. And then there's and it lasted longer. It lasted like ten times longer than Jag did. I think Jag lasted like four years, five years, maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure. It's just it's very strange. So I don't know. 
again, if you're stuck for ideas, you can just go steal them right from those police procedurals. You know, you just change the names and change the setting a bit, and bam, you've got yourself a plot. Yeah. It's uh, steal from the best. I right. think I brought it up one of the last uh, shows we were, which is uh, amateurs steal and pros borrow or something. No, other way around. Oh, okay. Amateurs, amateurs borrow, borrow pros steal. Pros steal. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, thank you, Erica, for the email. Yes, Erica. Thank, she, you. And always, she, thank you for your support. You've been. She's always with us. And she she said that she was afraid that the players were gonna, were going to be annoyed by the dead end. And again, it makes you a good GM because you are seeing you're seeing the through line, which is like you know you get done like huh, and your players are like, but you are sensitive enough to go. I better I better keep my thumb on the temperature here and make sure that everything's cool. And it sounds like it was. Uh, and and fr- frustration is is not a um it that is not a an emotion you 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 want to avoid engendering in your players i mean at times you don't want a lot of it you don't want to be become extremely frustrating with no end in sight that becomes boring and a horrible game but to come up in a dead end especially early on especially early on that makes sense. It's like, it, 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 I mean, good players are going to like go. Oh, it must be this. Oh well, shit, it wasn't that. Fuck. And we don't have enough context. This yet. is more complicated than yet. we think it yeah, is. Exactly. You know, and There's that and going that, on here. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I think yeah. Good on you, man. Good stuff. I love it. All right. Should we end it? Should we close yeah. it? All right. Yeah. Let me find my. Where's my? Yeah, music? Nothing more to say. Turned down the wrong one. Thank you for joining us for season 28, episode 9 of Happy Jack's Overture Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Stork. And that's it. Just the two of that's us. It. And we'll see you next week, 7 p.m. Pacific time or thereabouts. And yep. until then, stay safe. And Peace goodbye. Out, guys. From Michigan to Australia and maybe East Timor, be a of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.